right, and welcome back to the latest installment of the Metal Oasis podcast with me, your host, Adam. And as always, Captain Dick and Balls. Orion, long That's time no see, buddy. How are it's you? It's been, oh, buddy, I'm good. I'm tired. It's been a busy, however, amount of time it's been since we last chatted, but it's been good, man. Just busy as fuck. Busy is a good thing. Busy is a bad thing. Busy is just a pain in the ass these days. It really uh, is. For me and you both. I just mm-hmm. had to sit through eight hours of learning about insurance actuarial tables today. It was that fucking awesome. Sounds God, it was awful. Delightful. Yeah. Uh, I about chopped my dick off. It was awful. Dude, fantastic. So, Next time right. you should. Uh, no, no, actually, that, that was a bit of a stretch. I don't want to do that at all. Um, so... Tonight, uh, we've got a, another fun one there, gang. Um, little classic rewind back at it again. And this time, it's my turn for one of, if not my favorite, Iron Maiden album, 1982's The Number of the Beast. You know, I we'll, we'll talk about it, but I am pumped for this one. It's been a long time coming. So uh, before we do that, though, we did... You know, it's kind of funny. The last time we talked about Iron Maiden and we did the uh, Legacy of the Beast tour review, do you know what you did before that? Is that when we went and saw Trivium the week before? (laughs) Yes. What a coincidence. Yeah. So, uh, was it? Recording a little bit late here, but uh, yeah. So, was it last week or so? We saw Trivium, Mm -hmm. the national for the 11th or 12th time now between you and I, which is a lot of fun. Uh, yep. What'd you think about the show there, buddy? I know you got lots to say. Let's, I'll, I'll give, I don't know if we have enough to say about each of the openers, but I do want to give them their just due and at least mention yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. So like, no, like tour recap, like we did with the Gojira Mastodon yeah. show, uh, which we did get some feedback on that episode. But mm-hmm. yeah, just what you want to talk about is real quickly about, I guess, the show overall and I guess yeah. Trivium's wonderful set list. Yeah, so overall show, openers, they're okay, right? Uh, archetypes collide. I thought were they were pretty decent. I will give them extra credit for doing a fucking Lincoln Park cover, uh, which was pretty dope. I actually hit up Kaufman at the show. I messaged him and I was just like, "Dude, what the fuck? Like, where'd this come from?" And he was like, "They do it at every show." I'm like, "Well, automatic extra points for me. That was pretty nifty." Uh, so I enjoyed them. I thought they were pretty solid. Um, you know, I haven't really listened to much of them since, but I can see why people like them. Then. Or anything, anything you want to add to them? I was just going to kind of run through this. No, I mean, I, you know, overall, it's like I probably just, I'm glad we got a spot where we did. You know, up it was cool risers. to see them. We were in a comfy spot. We got to see them perform. Like they were fine, right? I mean, yeah. I, I might check them out a little more. I have nothing negative to say. I would say my favorite thing was candidly that they did a Lincoln Park cover out of nowhere. And it was a pretty good cover, actually. I, I, mean, I thought he sounded, he sounded I mean, great. He, he sounded fantastic. I mean, he did that. I mean, he did. You thought Chester was in the place. It's you know it was yeah, it was good. close, but real good. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm a big fan of like Dayseeker and some of these other like I don't want to call it like but like you know sad boy summer drink uh, songs, but you know it's good stuff. But yeah, like that, I just I can't really get into it. That's not the uh, show we're going to though. You know what I mean? Like that's not the kind of no, like and that's not what I want to go see. You know, right. if I was there, like if it was just them and other bands like that, sure, like it's a different mindset. But I wasn't there. I wasn't in that mindset for that kind of music right. to that night. Right. For sure. Uh, and then Malevolence hopped on. Uh, UK, I guess, metalcore, hardcore. Wasn't it Malevolence next? Yeah, Malevolence was next. Yeah, yeah. They're more of a hardcore band. So Yeah, 
Well, I was wondering why you're giving me, you had a confused look. I was like, did I miss a band completely? Uh, but no, Malevolence hopped on. They were fun, right? They were your pretty typical heavy, hardcore kind of deal. I thought they had pretty good stage presence. Um, Dude, overall, the League of Forest was whipping some windmills. Oh, he was with, hard. With and I was like, fuck, yes, the whole time. That was time. pretty great. Good energy. It, they, were, they were cool. Um, their last song, On Broken Glass, was like, that one like... Just gave me the stank face, raised eyebrows. Yep. Like, hmm. There's a couple of months we turned to each other, like, ooh, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I actually bumped into them after the show when we, I was standing outside waiting for my Uber. Uh, they came outside and he made a comment because remember it was like fucking downpouring. He came outside to hit his yeah. sweet vape and he's like, oh, it's like we're back home. That was probably a terrible <laughs> impersonation. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, oh, nice. Uh, so yeah, like, right, uh, cool. Big gulps, huh? Yeah, see you later. Right, see you later. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, but they were fun. Like I would, I wouldn't mind seeing them again. Like I think they were they were pretty good. Uh, which leads us to our co-headliner, Beartooth. I will say, just gonna put it on record now. Of the three openers, Beartooth was my least favorite. Uh, I see why people like them. I thought they overall put on a pretty decent show i think the lead singer had a lot of stage presence like they were fairly charismatic i guess for me personally of the three they were probably my least favorite performance i just just didn't really dig it it's not really you know the back half of their songs were were getting pretty good but i found myself granted i'd had a few crispy boys by now uh but i found myself kind of like all right like yeah, you definitely get, you know, you definitely have a, a tone about yourself. You look up a couple crispy boys in you. It's like the uh, the tact in your expressions goes out the window. And you're yeah. just like, this band fucking sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired of the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Because uh, we were both in the, I, I told you, you know, I was like, man, I hope they play third so that way we can leave before Beartooth. Because I'm not a Beartooth fan. I listened to it a little bit, was not digging it. You know, it's just, They've got a big following. They're an acquired taste. If you like it, great. More power to you, but it's just not right. for me or for you. Yeah. But I was like, man, if they play third, we can get out at a decent time, let our old bones get some nice sleep. But you're like, nope, nope. You see their uh, banner? It's the last one on stage. So they're going to play last. And we're just like, yep. Fuck. Which, here's what I'll say 99% of the time, I want the band I'm there to see to play last. I will say, as the cruel march of time has gone on that 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 need for the band I really want to see to play last has diminished. I will also say kind of a learning lesson, not a learning lesson, but I've been in this circumstance many times and we'll, this will lead into the set list. The co-headliner of choice will make a very big impact on what the set list looks like, i.e. when Mastodon and Gojira play together. Gojira's set list was still pretty solid overall. I didn't have a ton of complaints. Uh, you know, there was a couple of like wish list items, but overall, yeah. I thought Gojira's set list was solid. It wasn't that far off what they played when I saw them uh, a couple years ago. So that was great. I think we even talked about this when Trivium announced this co headliner with Beartooth. I was like, who the fuck is Beartooth? Yeah, uh, we were like, what? Who? Yeah. Why? And then, yeah. And I, I was concerned. I was like, you know, this is going to make. Is going to change the, who they're who they're catering to, right? As far as like what kind of set list they're going to select, and uh, I was correct in that they are try they they definitely took an approach of as wide of a net as 
possible. So let's let's just break it down real quick. Let's get into the trivium set list. So first thing that happens is they play the end of everything from Ascendancy, that that musical interlude into Rain, which was very cool. Uh, when that came on, yeah, I remember you being were very what? surprised. We were saying, we were I was expecting... saying, "What the dead men say again," and you were expecting "In the Court of the Dragon," and we were arguing yes. back and forth pretty vehemently, like, "No, it's going to be nine, and then dead men. No, it's going to be ten, and then in the Court of the Dragon." Turns out we were both wrong because they yes. opened with "End of Everything" and moved in directly into rain. No complaints about that, as far as opening with rain. Totally cool. Number two slot has in new learning made me so upset because the second choice or the second song they played was like light to flies fine it's fine to see we've seen it many many times the reason that i am so sad is because up until two weeks before our show the second song they played was shattering the skies above uh which is one of my favorite trivium songs and we've never seen it to my knowledge no. And they made a big, you know, they, they made like a post about it and like, like teased several things about playing it live. And then they did play it live. And I was like, fuck, yes, finally going to see the song live. So like light to flies comes on. Cool song. Not a huge complaint. Don't mind it being on the set list. But it was one of those things that it's going to happen when you see a band that's one of your favorites many times. There's going to be some songs that you just don't get the same degree of like, oh, shit, as you used to, which this is one of them for me. Uh I'm just gonna. I'm still talking, so I'm gonna turn it over to you. Any thoughts on those those first couple? No, I thought it was a great opener. I mean, because I was expecting yeah. honestly with the Beartooth tour something more so like on the Iron Maiden side where they play a lot more of like the light melodic stuff, like from Silence in the Snow. I would have been more down with that, but I'll get to that. In a minute. That's what I was expecting. You know, it's it's a pop more of a poppier type metalcore band with Beartooth. So I was expecting something like that, but then to come out with the one two from Ascendancy, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I can play some old stuff. Yes. That's fun. But then they go into your favorite song, just the <laughs> then biggest, it then it takes one of the greatest songs I've ever written, Strife from Vengeance Falls. Like, I don't think there's a tour they haven't played that song at. It's their I think it might them. be since we've yeah, I mean, and since it's we've seen I, them. Since it's been I out. knew they were going to, and it, it's fine, right? Like, and I like I don't mean I like the song. I think it's a good song, but it's just it's so just cheesy and easy, I think, to play. Not it has not that I could play, but I just feel like it's such an easy song to get through. And it's a huge single for them, so I get why they play it. But then they go into Feast of Fire from In the Court of the Dragon, which you know, it's a single from the album. So right, right now we're coming off, you know, four four tracks in, two singles. So I would say, but I would have preferred other songs from an album, considering it is still the yes. Dead Men and Dragons tour. Right. Um, yeah, Feast of Fire, as far as a single of choice or kind of more, I, I hate to use the term radio friendly, but that, that way it's easily people know what I mean when I say radio friendly, right? So yeah. Feast of Fire is definitely one of those more radio friendly songs. I will say as far as those go, I think it's a cooler one in terms of more recent ones. So I don't mind it. We've only seen it one other time. So yeah, it's well, fine, right? Like I didn't. I mean, I mind think it. of the album was like I was like it's definitely low on my list. On oh, it's album. it's low. It's agreed. It's pretty low on the list for me as far as songs from the album. But as far as like, hey, you have to play a couple of radio singles. Here's the five or six to pick from. I wouldn't mind that. I'm not upset that Feast of Fire was that. So that was you know eh. So Strife and Feast of Fire back to back. It's kind of like okay. Then they come out with Build to Fall, which was frankly cool. Like I was glad to see. It's like a deeper cut from In In Waves, which is fine. It's a good song. I I enjoyed it. I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, I do like the song. I think it's got a good tempo. I do. Yeah, 
I like that song quite a bit. So very cool. But you know, again, nothing. You know, we got strife, then feast of fire, then builds a fall, and it's it's it's. I mean, they're not super light songs, but we're also not in like deep shogun territory or anything. You know, super heavy and whatnot. So we're kind of grooving. We're going. Then you know, he says, uh, you know, this song celebrated a fourteen year anniversary recently. Yada yada yada. And I'm like, okay, cool. They're gonna play something from Shogun, and then they go down from the sky. And I'm like. I mean, okay, like down for the sky, cool song, but like very much the arguably one of the safest choices they could have gone with from from Shogun as far as just like you've probably heard the song before. You know what I mean? So it was very approachable as a show as far as a Shogun song goes. So, you know, I was not disappointed necessarily that went from down from the sky, but it did kind of I think there was a lot of instances where my reaction was like, yeah, okay, like, all right. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of, okay. What's funny is that we ranked, I ranked that sixth out of 11. You had it nine out of 11. Yeah. Shogun. Yep. Um, But I really, but again, I like that song. I gave it a nine out of a 9.5 out of 10. Like there was a great song. And I was happy to see it. You know, we we haven't seen it in quite some time. So Mm -hmm. that's why I really, I enjoyed seeing that song again. Yep. Um, And then they go into sentence, sentence, which which was awesome. I don't think I will ever hate that song live. I think no, it's a great live song. For me, yeah. it's just that that's the intro to Alex Bent with the mm-hmm. band. And it's like it just never gets old. But then they go into a Silence in the Snow song, another single, Until the World Goes Cold. I'm just like, again, do I go to it when we, on the album? Not all the time, but seeing it live, it, it was fine live. But it was, again, it was like, okay, I'm like, I'm not pumped. I'm not hype. Right. You know, you, know, you have Built to Fall, which is like, okay, it's fine. Down with Scott, it's like, oh, it's cool seeing that again, but it's like, man, there are other songs I like on Shogun. This is sentence, oh, that's pretty awesome, but like, then you just kill it with Until the World Goes Cold, another yep. single. Uh, and then, I was gonna say, no, I completely agree. I mean, I, I think that Down from the Sky, it was like, it's like seeing a familiar friend, but not necessarily the friend you wanted to bump into at the bar. Uh, yeah. so it was still cool. And then Sin of the Sentence, I was actually really pumped about Sin of the Sentence. I was like, fuck yeah, that's a great choice. And then into the world goes until the world goes cold. It's kind of like yeah. And then I was a hundred percent expecting them to play No Way Back just through because it's like what they just released the music video for it and they've been yeah. talking about it a lot. So don't mind seeing that on the set list. It's it's a solid song. That being said, it is another one of those kind of more approachable, wider catering songs as far as from in the Court of the Dragon. So yeah, it's a great song. It doesn't have as much oomph as a lot of other songs in that album, but still good. So I was like, okay, like that's cool. But then right after that, they go into the heart from your hate. And I'm just like, God damn, there's like a lot of wide net radio friendly songs on the set list. So they went Strife and Feast of Fire until the world goes cold and the heart from your hate. So at this point, we're 10 songs in and 40% of them have been like very much radio friendly songs. And you could also, frankly, you could argue built to fall and no way back just through a little bit as well right yeah i mean because so, there's not there's not a lot of harsh vocals on no way back right so you know. you know i to be fair we'll cut it down the middle so we're saying roughly half of the songs on the set list so far have been like the radio friendly if you haven't heard of us you probably like this kind of song you know what i mean yeah and then all of a sudden capsizing comes on and you and i looked at each other and i was just like fucking serious for like, already the show's over go to in waves it's in waves. It's the same. It's fine, right? It's, it's a cool song. It's cool audience participation. It's it's whatever. It's kind of like their staple thing, and then they they busted out uh, pull harder as their closeout, which is fine. So here's what I'll say. 
I understand a hundred percent the necessity of the type of set list they have to build for this kind of show where they're co-headlining. It's not what I would have built out, and I think you. I don't. I hate to be as strong and say disappointing because it was still a pretty good show. But I think we feel it more acutely for a couple of reasons. One, we've seen them a bunch of times. We've already seen them a ton of times. We've gotten to see a lot of songs. Um, a couple of other things like them teasing Shattering and then not playing it was like pretty damn disappointing for me. And then like the next day I went back and I looked at the set list from when we saw them at the Norva. So I'm just going to very quickly read the set list one more time and then the set list from the last time we saw them. So this time it was Rain, like light to flies, strife, feast of fire, built to fall, down from the sky, sin in the sentence, until the world goes cold, no way back just through, heart from your hate, in waves, and then pull harder. So that was the show we just saw. When okay. we saw them in Norfolk, it was what the dead men say, into the mouth of hell we march, sin in the sentence, crisis of revelation, skyline severance, shadow of the abattoir, court of the dragon, to the rats, heart from your hate, shogun, light to flies, in waves. That set list is so much better than the set list we just saw. Well, I was looking, you showed me the one um, a couple of days after the show where they have, you know, this all the songs that we saw with the addition of Light Callisto to a Star in Heaven, yeah. which I fucking love that song. Where did I have that one? Uh, I had that one at number four. You had it yeah. at number seven. Um, and then they went with uh, they added the Defiant, which I know you love that song. That's a great from, song. Yeah, is that the what the Dead that's Men from say, right? what Dead Men say? Yeah, yeah. And then they had Catastrophist, which I love that song. That's a cool so song. They too. got you know three more songs, and I was like, why couldn't we get that set list? Yeah. Oh, and plus they had um, Shadow in the Skies versus Like Fight to Flies. So, yeah. So we I, I hate this feels like a very to use terms we've used a lot this feels like a very middling set list <laughs> <laughs> so you know happy to see them obviously we'll go and see them many more times however i will temper expectations in that this this feels like a um this feels like a festival set list to me you know what i mean like if trivium were playing at a show with a ton of other bands this is the kind of set list they would play uh whereas the last time we saw them it was strictly like you co- you were coming to a trivium show. That was not the case with this show, and it was very apparent from the set list. So, well, all I gotta do is just win the lottery, like the big you know million billion dollar lottery, and I'll just do what I always say I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be like Wayne's World too. It's like I'll just have a festival, and if I book them, they will come, and then I'll just make sure trivium gets to say, "Here's a set list you're gonna play." <laughs> like, no, 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 I'm like no, no, no. Here's a set list you're gonna play. You have two hours. Make sure it's right. And by the way, I do want to hear a Gray So Dark and uh, Dark Is My Mind and Shogun Caustic. And oh, God, Caustic. Well, I did, I'm surprised that's the fourth one that came I know. Uh, this World Can't Tear Us Apart, uh, The Crusade. Dead You're going to play you know, for four hours. That's fine. Hey, so, that's, that's what we're going to see with better, Metallica. Loosen up those throat muscles there, Matthew. <laughs> but again, so. happy to see them. Certainly was, not. I mean, not. Oh no! It was fun. Was. It was more fun. We got to see. I mean, Scholes was there. Yeah, um, Neil was crew. there. Uh, she, we saw Zach know, Newsbomb. Yeah. Zach and um, Jason Cruz. Jason were there. So it was a good time overall, man. So I, you know, it was cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so all right, enough of that nonsense. Uh, let's dive into the episode at hand. Uh, we did get that email right from old Terry, who you got to see for the first time at the Gojira show. 
Yeah, I sent us an email that said Goblin the Mastodon. Uh, <laughs> what a truly, uh, what a truly exciting and amazing show, both the concert and your recent episode. Absolute pleasure meeting Orion and Chris in person, and always a joy to experience a show with Adam. I agree with everyone about the show as a whole. Lorna Shore was a definite curiosity, and the mix was pretty lackluster. On par with an opening band, though. Uh, Gojira and Mastodon were both just fantastic. He goes on and says, and I'm so glad Adam finally realized he was wrong about Mastodon. All the conversations he and I have had was like, there's no way you think they're boring and samesy. Super stoked you enjoyed them. Till next time, horns up. And yes, Neurosis is the superior times of grace. Best regards, <laughs> Terry. So thanks, buddy, for the email. Appreciate that. Good seeing you the show. So, all right, man. Time for another classic rewind where we go back, you know, and listen to uh, albums that kind of, you know, or, or I guess are definitely a part of the metal journey, so to say. You know, the whole pop point of this podcast, right, is talking about newer bands and stuff that really defined our taste. And, you know, I guess with current bands and everything, but you can't forget, you know, the forefathers and ones that, you know, laid down the path before everyone else, you know, with who we talked about, Judas Priest, uh, Megadeth. I know, I mean, Ozzy, I'm sure will be out there one day. Iron Maiden, well, there's tons of bands that you know we'll definitely talk about, but this one in particular for me was like we've got to do it. You know, it's something that I can just recite like it's the back of my hand, just how awesome this album is. Just it's eight tracks, and it just you know, it is a just masterpiece of an album, I think. Um, so why don't you give us a little feedback on the album there, buddy? So, uh, I don't know if they're kind of an obscure band, so Iron Maiden. Uh, <laughs> not sure if you've heard of them before. So, Iron Maiden is, or the Number of the Beast is the third studio album by Iron Maiden, released March twenty second, nineteen eighty two, a little while ago. Uh, it was the first album to feature Bruce Dickinson and the last with drummer Clive Burr. So, before getting into it, I would argue Number of the Beast is probably the most like ubiquitous. Iron Maiden album. Like, I think if you were to ask anybody who's played a video game or has seen any of the like old school, you know, making fun of metal or, or, you know, in a, in a happy, funny way, um, the big trope is like Number of the Beast and Iron Maiden. I mean, think of like Bill and Ted when they tell them they're going to put them in the Iron Maiden. They're like, Iron Maiden. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just so synonymous with Iron Maiden, right? So, I'm excited for us to jump into this. I don't think this is going to be one that anybody's like, oh, I haven't heard of that album before. So I'm I'm curious to see where we land on this. I don't think this is going to be a very spicy episode as far as us having like hot takes, but I'm excited to do this. This album. Also, let's uh let's dive into so how did you get, you know, we talked about Iron Man before and on the yeah. uh like like I said, on the Legacy of the Beast tour. Uh I think we we didn't talk about them on the top ten or anything like that. But I mean, how did you get into, I guess, this album in particular? I'm sure it was Chris, but what did you how'd you get into it? I mean, I'm trying to remember. I mean, obviously heard this album, heard songs from it a bajillion times. I think, if I'm not mistaken, is I think Number of the Beast is on like Tony Hawk two or something like that, or one of the or older Tony Hawk games, isn't it? Maybe. Hold Let's on. See. Just do a lot of research. Uh, Tony Hawk's proof. Uh, Tony Hawk's four. four. Oh, that seems too late. Anyways, you know, I that's one of the things I would do is just replay that song over and over and over while playing Tony Hawk. 
but yeah, I mean, I'm sure Chris introduced me to, to, to Iron Maiden, but it's one of those things that's so ingrained in my, I guess, musical journey that it's hard for me to pinpoint. I, I think it's one of those things that's just like osmosis. If you listen to metal, inevitably you will listen to or hear Iron Maiden. It just kind of enters your repertoire. Like it just happens. Same thing with Judas Priest. It just, you just know the songs and you may not even remember how it happened. But Maiden for me has just been one of those things that's always been a part of my musical interest in, in the realm of metal. And I'm sure it was Chris, like it had to have been, or it could have been my cousins or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's just been one of those things that's just been always been on the shelf. It's always been on the shelf. And somebody's like, oh, when'd you get that, Grandpa? I don't know. It's fucking been there forever. Same, same thing. It's all dusty. It- <laughs> yes, I've got this magical device called a phone. I can mm-hmm. play music through it now. Fuck records. <laughs> like, oh, so, Grandpa. So for me, it was definitely, I remember watching VH1 Classic, and they was played like just nothing but like 80s music videos. And I remember seeing Run of the Hills for the first time and just, you know, that opening just drum beat and like seeing Steve Harris in his fucking tight ass pants and with Bruce Dickinson, just these whales. I was like, what is this shit? It was just more so just like mesmerizing about who they were as a band. And it wasn't until much later. I actually was probably because I was probably like sixth or seventh grade. And it wasn't until like high school when I started like hearing about the number of the beast and uh, 22 Acacia Avenue and children of the damned. And then the awesome, you know, Alan be that name, but so this one, it just, it's, it's a lot of things where it's nostalgia driven because it's, you know, one of the, you know, first, like, I guess power, not power metal, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just fast guitars. Heavy metal, yeah. Anyway, it's like traditional heavy metal, like heavy guitars, not heavy guitars, but like fast twin guitar attacks, just operatic over the top, powerful vocals, and just really a lot of it for as a you know, high school, you know, playing bass was Steve. You know, being able to like hear like the bass was in the forefront of a lot of the songs. It wasn't just thrown in the back. You know, the bassist is the you know leader of the band. He's the you know main songwriter in the band, and I mean he has his thumb on everything. And he's one of the the was it him and Dave Murray, the only you know two full time original members of the whole band. So just a awesome album between the songs themselves, and then you just go into the artwork with the album cover, you know, with you've got Eddie who's, you know, holding the devil as like a marionette and it's just like on a you know field of flames with stormy clouds in the background. It says the number of the beast. It's like, what the fuck is this? Like, and as a teenager, it's like, this is awesome. Like, this is something I shouldn't be looking at. Like, I, feel <laughs> I like should I'm, not be looking at this. Yeah, it's like, I like I feel like I am going to get in trouble if I show my mom how cool this album is. So Definitely has been one that has been in my back pocket for many, many years. It's just some of my all-time favorite Iron Maiden albums. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, I mean, it's it's one of the greatest by it's one of the greatest albums by one of the greatest bands of all time. And I will say that as far as, you know, concerts, they put on such an incredible show. It's such a spectacle, right? The whole production is absolutely incredible. So I'm glad that we saw them recently. And I will say just as an aside, one of my favorite concert memories of all time was the first time I saw Iron Maiden. 
and they closed out with Hollow Be the Name. They didn't hit us with the the, the surprise left hook like when you and I saw them and busted out Hollow Be the Name like halfway through the set. Uh, oh, fear of the dark. Yeah, I'll be like, like that. I was like, oh. uh, when we saw them, they closed out the show. And Chris and I decided to just risk it all. And we ran straight to the pit and we just took our wristbands and turned them inside out. And the lady looked at us with a look of, you know, you're not supposed to be in here. But she also knew the show was ending. So she just kind of like pretended to look past us. And Chris and I just shuffled into the pit and it was fucking awesome. So that was, that's a very fun memory. Oh, yeah. So for this album, right, it's got eight tracks. Uh, there is a bonus uh, track for Total Eclipse from uh, the Japanese edition and other remastered and bonus editions. We're not going to talk about that one. We're just going to stick with the straight eight for this you know, review. So do you have anything else to add about the album there, buddy? No, I mean, it's it's again, it's just one of those so well-known albums by such a powerhouse of a band that you just you just know you know you're in for a good time you know this is going to be amazing you are moving into familiar territory and yet i'm gonna to have to try really hard to just not start our ranking and just be like yeah uh one through eight at number one every song's a 10 out of 10 see you next week yeah. so i'm gonna to have to uh be a little bit more concise with my rankings and we may get into like the you know fifth decimal point range uh, when I'm ranking these, but we'll have to see. Well, without further ado, let's jump into it. The lead track, the first time we hear Bruce Dickinson with Invaders. So first thing that's noticeable right off the top is the shift from Paul to Bruce for vocals. 
Uh, quite a quite a meteoric shift, in my opinion, for the better. Uh, th- it's got some punch to it. It's got some some oomph, some range. Bruce's first foray, and a very good one at that. So, in terms of the, the to give a little bit of context for the song "Invaders," as the the name and con or lyrical content demonstrate, it's about a Viking invasion, like Vikings arriving to pillage and burn. Uh, talks about seeing the longboats and a bloody stand against the invaders, and so there's not a whole lot to leave to the imagination in terms of what the song is about. But yeah, it's 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 great. It's 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 a fun song. This feels like an opener to me as far as an Iron Maiden album goes. So it makes sense that this is the opening track. Overall, it's a solid song. It's just a solid head bombing, head bombing, groovy Iron Maiden song. So up the irons, throw up the horns. It's a fun ass song. Yeah. So, I mean, for this one, you're right. It's definitely a killer opening track. The just super groovy aspect of it yes. was something that was kind of not kind of shocking to me um, when I first really got into the album because it was not like anything else I'd really heard at the time. Um, well, think about it. it wasn't what I expected Iron Maiden to be like. I was more so just used to the just more epic, grandiose kind of songs. And then with this one, just having a super funky like bass uh, tone through where it's just like the bass is just run up and down the fretboard the whole time. And the way Bruce is like shaping his vocal, you know, lines and melodies. But yeah, this one is just a super fun song, and it just really I think, sets a tone for you know, Paul is gone, Bruce is here. This is the direction that we're going, and get on with it or get off. So, yeah, yeah, it's solid. I think it's it's a fun intro for for Bruce. And this is going to be a tradition that continues in a lot of Maiden songs. It's kind of that anthemic battle. Grab your muskets and your swords and your axes and your insert weapon XYZ and battle the enemy. So this is going to kind of kickstart that that tested and true Iron Maiden battle formula. Absolutely. So uh, next track, and I hit it off with a just awesome one-two heavy assault. With Children of the Damned.
So track two just definitely hits it with just ferocity with a nice slow intro, which again was also jarring because it's not what you expect. Like the second track is already like a slow ballad esque type song. I said it last song. I'm gonna say it again, and I'm gonna say it probably for several other songs. Steve Harris's bass playing is just top notch, and it definitely it shaped my bass playing entirely. Uh, one as one that you know was a finger player as opposed to a pick like Jason Newstead and Metallica. I, I just took so much inspiration of like, okay, the bass is not a background instrument. It is one that can you know play lead bass. You know, it has these running lines throughout that run the melody, and it just adds so much flair and more. I don't know, there's atmosphere to these slower types of songs where it's not just da 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 down. You know, just types of these guitars where it's just a slower, you know, cascading type of riff throughout. Um, again, Bruce sounds fucking awesome. I love the way he said uh, with the Children of the Damned, where he does like a like a mid range and goes low mid-range again in that last children of the damned it just goes low with this like just almost just hypnotic wave how it just holds these notes and you know we talked about this you know when we saw him live like he just commands the stage and it's almost like he's definitely like a storyteller yes first vocalist second and whereas you know the way he tells these stories to you you're already in entranced by the way he talks but then when he's singing it to you it just really hooks you in um the solo at this one is a, it's a really fun solo it's super melodic and i really like what they did there uh with um adrian and dave as well on that solo so children of the damned so this song this is also a theme that you will see recurring with a lot of other maiden songs is based on a movie so this is inspired by a 1963 movie of the same name children of the damned which is about uh children who have supernatural psychic abilities and they try and essentially fight humankind. And then the song is about the last of them dying and burning at the stake, which is pretty fucking brutal. Uh, this song really captures Bruce's dynamic range. There's so many, you know, highs and lows and, you know, just wide range that he's kind of demonstrating throughout the entire song. The song's fucking awesome. It's very, like it has some kind of ethereal moments. It's kind of haunting. It reminds me of kind of a Judas Priest kind of song. Like this, this feels early metal in a, in a good way. I don't mean that in that it's you know aged or it's it's tied to a particular a particular time range. It's not a positive thing. Like this, this is aged very nicely, and this feels this feels kind of almost like a seventies ish kind of song to me. But I, I I like Children of the Damned a lot. I think it's 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 dope. I think it's a very very solid song, um, and a departure from a lot of other stuff that they did until this point. But yeah, the song's fucking dope. Big yeah, game. I mean this could this song could not happen with Paul as vocals uh, right. as the vocalist, and I kind of think this is like the one of the first like true like power ballads. Like it's you know not like the sappy love song, but it just has that you know it's it has the ballad type of structure. And just you have an excellent performance by Bruce. Like, it's just something that you're right, it does, I think, stand the test of time, especially if you look at metal today. Mm -hmm. You know, it with the overall composition of the song, the guitars, and just these operatic over the top vocals that, you know, again, tell this awesome story. And you hear that now with current 
power metal, it's just faster, you know. Mm-hmm. So this was again a shocking to be a number two song. I think placements everything, but I do like that this is just it's kind of you know this is not metal by numbers, which a lot of bands can be considered today. Like this is we're doing it our way. We're gonna do it the Iron Maiden way. Again, if you don't like it, fuck off. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Next track, The Prisoner. We want information. 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 Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. All right, let's talk about The Prisoner. I had mentioned the last song was a inspired by and directly referencing a movie. This song is directly referencing a TV series called The Prisoner. Uh, starring, Interesting. Uh, yes, uh, McGowan, McGowan, uh, Patrick McGowan. So funny little anecdote about the song. So yes, it's 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 related to the song. The interlude, like the little introduction, was recorded by the original actor who played the character, and and they asked his permission. And apparently, there's a funny story where they knew they needed to get permission, and so they had their manager call the actor to get permission to do it. And apparently, normally he's a very like stoic kind of guy. But apparently he was very nervous calling 
the guy and he's quoted saying it's all right dealing with these asshole rock stars but he's a real bona fide superstar actor i was fucking terrified and apparently when he spoke to the actor he said what was the band's name again and they said iron maiden and he replied a rock band you say do it and then he hung up on them and let them (laughs) take his recorded lines for the series that's pretty fun so yeah uh in terms of the song itself it's a fun song it's just one of those throw on your bv crack open a cold one dance around a little bit it's a fun it's a fun song i like it i mean it's not super memorable for me as far as the ridiculously gigantic iron maiden discography but i've always liked the song it's always it's always fun so yeah it's a good it's a good tune it's a good well i've got a tune I did two or three of those. I got my BV on, cracked a cold one. However, I did not dance around. You uh, might be below the desk with your feet. Oh, well, with your feet, my dick. Mm. In the old. Um, so, again, first time hearing this album and just hearing that song, I am ashamed to admit that. I did not get the reference that you um, spoke to about the telephone call from the famous actor. I just went straight to Austin Powers and was like, who does number two work work for? (laughs) Damn, boy, what did you eat? (laughs) Number one. Yeah, number six. So, so, I mean, this one, you know, you're right when it comes to the, the discography and the deep catalog of Iron Maiden, it's, you know, it's not one you always think about, but this is definitely a hidden gem. Um, it's got, you know, just with the, with the open spoken word part, which is just very Iron Maiden-esque and very indicative of a lot of their songs later in their catalog. The really fun just intro to the song, but this one you really see, I think, a really good melody and see Bruce shine on the chorus. You know, it's Again, which is indicative of what is going to come for many albums down the road. You know, he's like, I'm not a prisoner. I'm a free man. All my, uh, and my blood is my own now. It's like, it's just the way, again, the way he shapes and phrases these songs and these lyrics. It's just awesome. And this is just a super catchy, fun song. And it's like, oh, it's just like a breath of fresh air when you listen to it. Cause like, man, you don't, again, you don't go to it all the time. In the catalog, when you finally when you listen to it again, you're like, man, this is just a great fucking song, and it just when you put yourself, you know, in 1982, it's their third album, the first with Bruce. It's like, man, like these guys are, they've got something, and it is really taking shape and something magic here. So, definitely a fun fucking song, and not definitely not a skipper. Yep, yep, that's fair. All right, buddy. Next track, twenty two. Acacia Avenue. If you're feeling down, depressed and lonely, I know a place where we can go. go, go. 22 Acacia
So 22 Acacia Avenue is part two of the Charlotte the Harlot series. So it's a very interesting song. There's a lot of disparate parts, but they seem to actually still work together in, in a pretty solid fashion. Uh, it's about the darks. Well, it's all dark prostitution and the infatuation Ooh, with yeah. dirty, uh, the infatuation with this, this character. So, there's a ton of context and and kind of cool anecdotal stuff, but we'll probably save that for for now. But it's 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 a fun it's a fun song, especially again how there's these kind of disparate pieces that actually fit together pretty nicely. I, if I'm not mistaken, this one is pretty darn high on Chris's maiden song list. I could be wrong, but I seem to recall that he really really likes this song. He may say no, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure this is up there. Maybe it's just from his own, you know, prostitution days, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a great song. It's 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 fun. Uh, it's kind of upbeat at times, even though it's kind of a depressing song at the same time. So, yeah, I would it's, say it's uh, depressing. Well, not depressing. Well, I guess you know, context-wise, it's kind of like oh, that's a, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's still it's 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 a fun song. Yeah, so this one I think is one of the first ones where, you know, when it comes to like understanding metal music and how it definitely and what makes it different than other forms of music, it's just the way that these this song in particular, the melody, the drum beat, the way everything's flowing in one direction, but the way Bruce is singing is in a different direction, and you're like. These two forces are butting heads, but then they come back around, they meet back in the middle. Like, yeah. it just, it works really well. Um, like, around that 130 mark in the song where it's like, okay, it's it drops and it kind of goes like a little, like, not thrashy kind of breakdown, but it just, it starts getting a little jumbled and drawled. And then it's like, Bruce is off and doing something else and the band's going somewhere the other way, but then they come back in. Like, it was just, that's really cool the way that they were able to do that. You know, when I was like, the story-wise with the song, it's kind of, you know, definitely like a very like tongue-in-cheek song, right? It's definitely that got that early '80s vibe. I just imagine it's just like you know, in Denmark, red lights are on. Just oh, there's Charlotte. 
She's nice and warm inside. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. I want to listen to Solo real quick. Hold on. That right there is what I really love about Iron Man is the way that they can just go in different tempo changes. And just, again, when you think about 1982, it's like, it just, it's so crazy. Like, you know, they're just definitely changing the way songs are written. You have this really nice, slow, melodic solo, and it just jumps right back in and do something, you know, quick and fast and heavy. It's just, it's really cool. Uh, that's yep. why, you know, again, I'm big fan, big, big fan. All right, let us go and flip it over to side B with, you know, just this little diddly, the number of the beast. Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil sends the beast with wrath because he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. I left alone. My mind was blank. I needed time to think to get the memories from my mind. What did I see? What I saw that night was real and not just fantasy Just what I saw in my old dreams Were the reflections of my woman staring back at me Look, 
Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I interrupted. Go ahead. I didn't say anything, but... Uh, I know, but I know you give a lot of good feedback on these stuff, man. Okay. Thanks, dog. Thanks, dog. All right. So guess what this is based off of, likely. Uh, the devil. Yes. It was also yeah. loosely inspired by the 1978 film The Omen 2, mixed with a nightmare that Steve Harris had. So it has, you know, the biblical quotes about 666 and all that, all that good stuff. Look, man, we all know this song. Honestly, if you were to just play us, if you were to just go into a mall and play this over a loudspeaker and then just randomly pull people. Malls are dead now. Actually, that's a depressing thought. People, if you go to a mall and play this, there's probably no one there to listen to it. But anyways, if there were, <laughs> if there was a crowded mall and you played the song and you went around and randomly pulled people, have you heard this before? I think an, an overwhelming majority of them would say, "Yeah, I've heard this somewhere before." You know what I mean? It's just it's such a known song. So yeah, on that instance, there's that. Yeah, I mean that the yeah, mm-hmm. like just that yeah. You sound just like him. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Like everyone uh, knows that. Like it's just like it's always played in like in clips of I remember just like on these stupid fucking VH1 commercials, you know, they would just do clips of everyone saying yeah. And most of the time it was just James Hetfield over and over again. But they would, you know, throw in like Blondie and Madonna and then be like Bruce Dickinson, yeah. Like like everyone knows that song. Yep. Like this is again at 200 million spins on Spotify. I guess people like this song. Like, I guess it's made an impact somewhere in time. Ah, uh, yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. I mean, but I mean, how, how can you go wrong? It has one of the coolest open with the, the openings with that spoken word. It has just epic, epic vocals. And then the solo is top notch. Yeah, this is an easy. Don't even think about it. Open up the case. Just, just, just hastily grab the stamp and the ink. I mean, this is this is a no brainer. We didn't have to play the song. You could have been no. like, "Hey, we're doing no," and I would just immediately stamp. Yes, uh, t- ten out of ten. Easy, easy at ten out of ten. It's an easy ten out of ten. Easy, easy. And also, it's crazy the amount of live performances of this song that are on YouTube. That have multiple millions of views each, and then the updated version they put on YouTube, like five or six years ago, five or six years ago, has like seventy-seven million views. It's just everyone knows this fucking song. Ten out of ten, we all know. We all know what this is. I mean, we talked about before. Yeah, it's just it's you can't go wrong with number of the beast. Like it is literally, it's a quintessential Iron Man song. It's I mean, Iron Maiden became known as the Beast. I don't know. I'm just. And awestruck at how fucking awesome this song is. Let me let's yep. listen to that solo real quick. Hold on.
and then it just keeps going. Yep. It just keeps going. Like it just these guys are just fucking geniuses. And again, more fucking props to Steve. Just keeping that bass right in the front and just driving that song and just a really just fun, just kick ass solo. And then I like how it just like it stops and then it goes again to the next solo. Just cool as shit. Yep. Yep. Then out of done. All right, buddy. Get ready. Next track. Run to the hills. What, what this song is about there buddy so might be hard to believe but this is describing essentially warfare on native americans and the indian wars of the american west and it takes turns from perspectives of both like the native american perspective and the white man's perspective uh it's fucking god this song it's probably one of the most well-known metal songs not iron maiden just metal i may you know i i pose the question of oh if somebody you know started playing number of the beast at a mall how many people would know it if you played run to the hills anywhere you could be on the highway roll down your windows blast this chances are someone passes you it's gonna be like that fucking run to the hills that i was playing uh <laughs> up the iron exactly uh so one such a ridiculously ubiquitous song in the rock i would even expand and just say the rock world it's just such a known song on fucking spotify alone there's 307 million plays just, that's just a casual 100 more yeah just a cash just a casual 100 million more here's what i'll say this is 
one of the easiest stamp 10 out of 10s that we will ever have. You could play the the first drum, the first hit and pause. And I'm like, yeah, it's 10 out of 10. It's got everything. It's got the gallop. It's got that cool cadence, has the thick bass tones. It's super groovy. The lyrics are super catchy. Bruce's voice is amazing. This is one of the greatest maiden and 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 metal songs out there. Now, whether or not it would be, you know, ranking is all subjective, but there's no arguing. Like if somebody tries to dissect the song, like, oh, it's not very good because blah blah blah, just shut the fuck up. This you know this is one of like the best songs ever made. So they're not using uh, appropriate language. Yeah, suck my entire ass. Uh don't care. Redskins, Indians, they're selling the whiskey and taking their gold. That's such saving a good the young one. and destroying the old. <laughs> Such a good, such a good line. Oh man, fucking love this song. Every time All they right. play it, I'm like, yes. All right, we we gotta listen to this. We got to listen to this. Hold on. It's a perfect, so, such a perfect goddamn song. Like, so again, Steve Harris, one of my bass idols. This song really just showed me like how important the bass is to the song. And then I remember, God, there's we probably had four or five songs that we wrote where I was always doing something like this, doing that high fret uh, run on the bass and just going higher and higher and higher. And I was like, how much? How much higher can he go? And it's like it's like what the fuck? That is awesome. So I was like with just the opening part of it with that bass, and then just in the solo, you're just hearing like that bass just drive the fucking song and that bass run. I mean, all my notes said for the song was the bass run because it is just hands down one of my favorite you know, bass runs of all time. And, you know, just intro, vocals, lyrics, solos. Like, this is just a perfect fucking song. Perfect fucking metal song. While we were, I have the uh, Run to the Hills live from the Legacy of the Beast 2 are playing in the background. And just seeing the fucking energy of that show. God damn it, I want to see them again so bad. Yes, I would love to see them again. But when are they coming back? I don't know. I don't know, but we're going to catch them again. All right. Oh, they'll be in Norfolk next week. No, I'm just kidding. They won't be uh, in the States uh, indefinitely. Who knows when they'll be back? Bastards. So, Damn it. All right. Next track. Gangland. Thank you. 
so what you got? So in terms of context, I mean, the name Gangland is is pretty, you know, apparent in terms of it being about you know potentially organized crime or something that effect. There's a little bit of discrepancy as if this is about like an Al Capone kind of gangland. Is it about London in the 60s with the, with the Cray twins, which I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Legend. That's that's a pretty cool movie. Anyways, uh, so yeah, it's it's about kind of gang life and violence and, and all that kind of good stuff. This well, here, I'm going to give you my thoughts of the saga. Or did you want to jump in first? So I'll jump in on this one. So yep. the number of the beast as an album is hands down one of the greatest. It's all, it's essentially a perfect album, but this track is the one that skews it from being a desert island album. Oh, it's an okay song. I like it because it kind of, you know, all the other songs. Let's see. Outside of well, this is the only song that Steve Harris did not write or have any credit writing. So it's the first time we're really seeing, or at least on this album a different side of Iron Maiden. And that's definitely, you know, shown within, this is a more guitar driven song. The, the sword, the story and the song structure is a lot different. Still has that kind of, I mean, just like the prisoner and invaders. Like it just has a different, had that same kind of lyrical tone mm. and content. Like it's the same, but different, you know, same, same, but different, but different. And so I see that, but, like it doesn't have like like the Steve Harris like stamp on it like sign of like seal of approval for some reason and I just I, there's something about that I don't like but I don't know what it is like just something that doesn't jive with me right away um, I, mean, I do like I think the intro is pretty pretty catchy and fun it's kind of like a you know a subtle you know send off to Clive who like a nice little drum intro opener and it's you know one of the last songs he'll play on you know with the band so. I don't know. I just, it's an okay song. I definitely, you know, if you had Children of the Damned in place of Gangland, side two would be one of the most unstoppable sides. It would be, that would be like a perfect side to an album. But uh, what do you got? Yeah, I, I would have to agree. And I think it's a, it's a tough act to follow to go. Anything you play after Run to the Hills is going to have a, bit of a tough time you know being in the shadow of, of such a, an immense song this one feels like a bonus track i mean gangland has always felt like a bit of a bonus track kind of song to me it's not it's still fun it's still a fun maiden song i think it gets quite a bit of lack i mean i, I think people have kind of questioned as to whether or not it should have been on the album or it should have been total eclipse but it's fine right it's not it's not gonna be super high for me. It's not my favorite Maiden song. I still enjoy it when it pops up, but it's it's not gonna be my chosen short car ride pick a Maiden song. Actually, I guess if it's a Maiden song, it's a fairly long car ride. Uh, so <laughs> it probably wouldn't make the cut there. So it's it's all right. It gives me the you know the the slight smile, single thumbs up. Like it's it's fine. I don't have super strong feelings about it. It's not it's not particularly high on my list. 
Yeah, same here. So, all right, the last track, "Hallowed Be Thy Name." So let's let's get into a little bit of context and then we can give our thoughts and feelings about this song. So this song captures the the kind of introspective thoughts and emotions and everything that that someone who's been condemned to death is having right before they're essentially about to be marched out to be to be hung to death. So it's this incredible song seen through the perspective of this this essentially damned individual who's about to die and they're kind of going through different stages of you know grief right Ang- the anguish terror maybe some semblance of hope uh but it's just i can't even capture my thoughts i want to hear what you have to say we may even go back and forth a little bit on this what are your thoughts on how be that name so That's what I have to say. I just, it's, this is, I, you know, I am, I'm literally just a loss for words. Like this song just has so means so many different things to me. Yeah. You know, it is one of the greatest metal songs of all time. 
you know, would I go as far as to put it on the Mount Rushmore? I don't know. But I will, but it is one of the greatest songs, metal songs of all time. The intro to the song just has this very just I almost kind of think of a like messianic uh, intro to where it's like Bruce is you know looking down in almost like an angel looking down into the prisoner right of you know look what you've done are you at right with what you've done what are you going to leave behind after all this and you have that aspect of it. It's like, it's just fucking chilling. You know, it's because it's... When you look inward, right? When you're a teenager hearing this for the first time, it's like reflecting my past life. And it doesn't have much time because at 5 o'clock they take me to the gallows pole. The sands of time for me are running low. It's like, man, time is short. I better make the most of my fucking life, right? So then, you just, then it just jumps right into one of the just most catchy, you know, riffs you know i think iron maiden's ever written and it just has that just epic grandiose vocal delivery Uh, one of bruce's best of all time and i think the build-up for me personally have only have having only seen iron maiden twice in the first time they weren't allowed to play this song on the Book of Souls tour. And then finally seeing it live with you after Fear of the Dark, which God, that was they, is they... also like just the like release of energy and emotion that I had during this song because it yes. is just seven. I mean, it's seven minutes and 11 seconds. Seven eleven. Time for Heaven. It is one of the most perfect songs I've ever written. Like, it is such an awesome song. The solos in this are so damn good. And it just, it's one of those songs, whether it's an album recording or one of the thousands of live recordings that they've done, it is good on the album. It is good live. Like, there is not a bad version of this song. Like, it is just, you know, a perfect fucking song and i know i've used that word on other songs in the past on the podcast but this one i I mean it this time (laughs) like it's just it's it's perfect you you can't go wrong like it is without a shadow of a doubt i opened up our little spreadsheet for all our songs immediately just 10 out of 10 no questions asked like, I will sit in the car. Like, this is a short car ride song. Because I'll sit in the parking lot for four minutes to finish the song. It is so damn good. And, you know, I really like, too, the cover that um, Iced Earth did on the Tribute to the Gods. I think that was a, that's an awesome cover of this song. I mean, there's hundreds of covers of this song. And they're all good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things. Just want to play a couple of parts of the song real quick. Just hop over to 548.
just that goddamn awesome synchronizing. It's just so fucking good. And then just go ahead and hop over to 640. Just let it play for like a little bit. Just to take us out of our review for the album. Just let, let Bruce Dickinson take us home. So I uh, I had to open a new business account because I had to buy all of the ink available <laughs> and all the rubber stamps they had left and then create an apparatus that would simultaneously use all of said stamps and ink because this one in our... That's fucking May. What, Is this the Mega months? Ultra Stamp? This is this is this is a mega ultra stamp. And I think I can say candidly, and we've had some we've had some bingo bangers, we've had some 10 out of 10s, we've had some perfect songs. This one is up there as in my opinion, and you mentioned it, I would argue that this isn't only the best Iron Maiden song. I would argue this is could easily be a candidate for the best metal song ever written. And I think there are people who would be like, you're fucking wrong. But surprisingly, I think there's a lot of people who would be like, he's got a point. Uh, this song is incredible. It's it's one of the best songs ever written. It's executed perfectly. It gives me goosebumps every time I hear it, ever since I was a kid until now. I will say that as far as... I mean, we've been to tons of concerts together. Them busting out Hollowed Be Thy Name mid-set... I can't remember the last time I was that shocked and shooketh at a show. I, I really can't remember the last time I was that like, oh my god, I can't believe this is being played right now. Like I was completely awestruck. It took me a bit to really even come to terms with what was happening when they busted that when we saw them. I love this goddamn song. We may hear this pop up again during Mount Rushmore for me too. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but uh, it's definitely a goddamn contender, that's for sure. This song is fucking yeah. perfect. This song is is perfect. If anyone who doesn't like it, you're wrong. Uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You would be wrong though. That that's an opinion you're not allowed to have. It's one of the best <laughs> songs ever made. Uh, I was, re- I was thousand out of ten. I was looking at that set list from that show we went to, and God, that was an awesome show. Yeah, so fucking good. Yes, I'm glad that we are ending talking about a fantastic set list. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goddamn. Oh, I, we need to see them again. We need to see Hollowed Be Thy Name again. And uh, I will say, both times I saw it, when Hollowed Be Thy Name came on, there was mist twinkling in my eye, eye sockets because this song is so powerful. So powerful. Uh, I love it. I love it. It's my number eight out of eight. Uh, but I love it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Now comes probably the easiest part, I think, for this album. Time yeah. to rank them, buddy. Yep. Eight tracks. Yep. My number ready? eight. Yep. Hollowed be that. No. Uh, Bastard. 
My number eight is going to shock the world. My number eight is Gangland. My number eight is also Gangland. Mm-hmm. My number seven is Prisoner. My number seven is, oddly enough, the lead-off track, Invaders. Oh, okay. Interesting. You know what my number song, six but, you know, oh, Yeah, yeah. You know what my number six is? Invaders. Invader, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my number six is 22 Acacia Avenue. Take a hot guess what my number five is. Is it also 22 Acacia Avenue? Yeah, my number five is 22 Acacia Avenue. Uh, my number five is The Prisoner. Okay. Yep. My number four is Children of the Damned. Wow. I... Mm. <laughs> my number four is also Children of the Damned. Uh, we we don't have enough bells because I have a suspicion this is going to be very closely <laughs> aligned. Number three, correct? Let's see yep. if this all falls apart here or not. My number three is Number of the Beast. Oh, it falls apart? Dang. Foolish. My number three is Run to the Hills. Mm. A 10 out of 10, but there are better 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> My number two is Run to the Hills. Right. My number two is the number of the beast. <laughs> Shocking. Which leaves number one at the at appropriate. The... Correct. So really, our only swing is prisoner. Right? Yeah. Really. That's, that's it. it. So we have Invaders, 7-6, Children of the Dam, 4-4, four, four, Prisoner, 5-7, 22 Acacia Avenue, 6-5. Number of Beast two three Run of the Hills three two Gangland eight eight and Hallowed Be the Name one one. So okay, we have one. So we had three ties, and so all the other ones are like one apart except for Prisoner. Pretty not shocking or any spice on rankings whatsoever. I think I called that out before we even started talking about the album. One hundred percent. This would be a if if this were a scene where we're normally it would be some sort of high velocity fight. This would be the part where we're sitting at the pub lazily drinking Guinness and making small talk about the weather. That would be the equivalent of our spice level of ranking because <laughs> I anticipated as much. There were no, there could be no hot takes here. No. If you did not have Halby the Name at number one, like I actually I actually put down one and one for that song before we even started. Yeah, I had Halby the Name at one before we did anything. I just took I was like, if, if it's not one, I will be Mad, not yeah, shocked. No, we Be mad. Yeah, what's wrong with you? What the hell is wrong with you? If you were to say rank the top one hundred Maiden songs, "Hollow Be That Name" would be number one. Maybe not hundred, but list the top twenty Maiden songs. "Hollow Be That Name" would just automatically be penciled in at one. It'd be the example. Like for number one, you would put "Hollow Be That Name." All right, begin the exercise and don't erase number one. Yeah, number two is also "Fear the Dark." <laughs> Next. That's, uh, yeah, one of these days. Wait, did we ever, have we ever done a Maiden draft? We have not. We have not done we a have Maiden not. draft. And I don't want to because you're going to steal Fear of the Dark and I will literally fight you. <laughs> I mean, I will go for Hollow Be, but you know what? This time we will make sure. Although, that, I'm just going to open with Hollow Be that name and say, fuck you. Oh, God. 
All right, they're going to open with Hallowed Be Thy Name, followed by Fear of the Dark. We're just going to do it. It's like, God, that would be brutal. And then the opening band is Iced Earth coming back on stage to also play Hallowed Be Thy Name. (laughs) (laughs) It just, all our own bands just do covers of our songs. God, that would be so funny to go to a show where every opening band only plays covers of the band, and then the, the headliner comes out and plays the songs also. No, actually, I'd be down if they played the obscure songs, mm. like for the diehards, and then well, they did play what they played. They played fucking um, uh, 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 the Celtic song. What what should we call it? Uh, uh, the Clansmen or Blood the Brothers? Clansmen, and Blood Brothers. So they're both kind of obscure songs, and like yes. Signs of the Cross and stuff. It was like, oh, okay, yeah. great songs. Yeah, uh, it was fun. It was a fun. I'm time. just gonna God. listen to that set list now. That was such a good show. Yes, I want to go back. In All right, time. well, <laughs> that was our review of a little classic rewind back to the 1982 for just again the ultimate classic album, Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. Um, let us know what you think on our rankings. Are we right? Are we wrong? Um, if you think we were wrong about number one for how to be that name, you can kindly fuck right off because that is the only correct answer, and I will be steadfast in that answer and belief but again thank you everybody who has been listening to us week in and week out please send us your feedback let you know what let us know what you think you know the best way to contact us you know is our email address the metal oasis at gmail.com again that's the metal oasis at gmail.com we are on facebook and on twitter the metal oasis podcast and you can listen follow us and listen to us um, on spotify apple podcasts uh, Pandora, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast. I mean, you know where you listen to it. So let us know where you listen to us, and please leave us a review. We definitely appreciate, again, all the feedback that we get. Um, Ryan, you got anything else for us there, buddy? If you don't think that Hallowed Be Thy Name is one of the best songs of all time, normally I would channel my inner Canadian and just be like, hey, that's fine. You know what? Everyone has their own opinion. You'd just be wrong. You'd be wrong, and I, and I will kick you in the balls. Just, just be very wrong. I hope we get to see them again sometime soon. And I'd like to see Trivium again with a different set list next time. Well, what's funny, it's, you know, going back to the beginning of the episode, is that, you know, we talked about Trivium with the Norva show, and then we saw Iron Maiden later that week, you know, and irritated as fuck that, you know, you wouldn't fly to Denver, Colorado, so we could see Trivium open for Iron Maiden. And here we are again doing a Classic Rewind episode after seeing Trivium. So it's just, it's one day I think they'll be on tour again and we will see them. If you book them, they will come. I was trying to see, oh, here we go. Band lineup, Trivium and Iron Maiden, Tuesday the 13th. Uh, Where's the set list? That's actually a pretty spicy set list, even that when they opened for Maiden. Snowfall, Silence of the Snow, Into the Mouth of Hell We March, Sin in the Sentence, Phalanx, Far From Your Hate, Strife, Shadow of the Abattoir. So this was very well curated for a Maiden show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess uh, I kind of like that set list better than one we saw. <laughs> well, but that's okay. It was still the band we like. We always love to see. So this is true. This is true. I have so much signed shit from them. I uh, I really do. We'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, I need to hang it up. 
So, all right, buddy. Well, always good seeing you. And with that being said, I will catch you on the flip side. Later, my dude.